Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday. Happy hump day to you all. September the 22nd, 2021, it is 7.02 on your Tuesday, or your Tucson Wednesday morning. I have not woken up yet, apparently, but we're going to get this thing rolling. And uh, you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. We have a packed show for you today, tons and tons of football to talk about, and we're going to talk some basketball, specifically some Wildcat basketball. We're going to do that uh, coming up in hour number two. But hour number one is going to be focusing uh, mostly on football, both locally with the Arizona Wildcats as some of the members of the team and also uh, assistant staff members met with the media yesterday and uh, had uh, some little uh, uh, little press conferences of their own to speak with media, answer some questions, and a couple of the uh, the veteran players on the team had some good insight into you know how the players are feeling, how the uh, how the locker room feels, and just the general overall presence and mindset of the team as they get ready to head up to Eugene to take on the Ducks this Saturday as a uh, four-touchdown underdog in that game. I don't think anybody's surprised by that number. And uh, it could be an interesting matchup for the uh, for the Wildcats, of course, as uh, Oregon, very difficult team to play every single year, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's their scheme, you know, the spread running scheme, which is, Always difficult to contend with, especially when you have the athletes that Oregon gets uh, every single year with their top ten recruiting classes year in and year out. But also with Mario Cristobal at the at the helm, they are a very, very good team in the trenches, both on both sides of the ball. That's something that he has hung his hat on for his entire uh, coaching career. Obviously, it's his background, and it's something that the Ducks do very well. They dominated both lines of scrimmage against the Ohio State Buckeyes in their trip to Columbus earlier in the year. And they've done so, obviously, in their other two matchups as well. So uh, we'll have a little bit more of a breakdown in the next couple of days of that game leading up into it. We'll take a closer look at Oregon, you know, not only, you know, their health uh, as far as injuries and things like that goes. They are missing quite a few guys on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, quarterback is also a question mark for them as their quarterback, Anthony Brown, was knocked out of the game against Stony Brook this past weekend. So we'll take a look at all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I want to start with I want to start with Arizona football uh, because they did they did meet with the media yesterday. Stanley Berryhill met with the media. Treshawn Hayward met with the media, and also the offensive and defensive coordinators Brendan Carroll and Don Brown, respectively, also met with the media. And you know it wasn't a it wasn't a happy scene. Of course, you know the team is obviously feeling the you know the the hangover of their loss to NAU. But, uh, you know, as Stanley Berryhill mentioned, you know, he's like, you know, I'm a pretty positive person. He said, uh, you know, he likes to look at the positive side of things. And he's wanting to know how he could have done more, essentially, to help Arizona win that game. And I I thought he gave a little insight um, into just the little things that fans don't quite understand. You know, fans immediately want to just say, oh, the coaching is terrible or, oh, this, you know, the players are terrible, whatever. They they immediately want to jump on that. And Stanley Berryhill gave a little bit of insight just on a particular play. You know, he said, you know, during film study, he cut off his route. He ran an eight-yard route, cut off his route early, whereas if he had done, if he had run the route correctly, 
as the play intended, had run a 12-yard route, the post would have opened up and it would have led to a big play. These are, like, folks, these are little things. If you've never been in a film study, look, and I've never been in a film study at a high-level uh, program like Arizona or anything. I've, that's not, I mean, I've been at high-level basketball film studies because I was, a, I was privy to uh, some of the study halls and things like that that Sean Miller would run when we were on the road uh, with the team. But as far as, like, football goes as a player, you know, the highest I ever got was, you know, glorified, uh, you know, glorified post uh, high school football. So um, it's, you, you, I, I still don't, you know, I haven't worked with high level coaches, guys that are paid millions of dollars and things like that. And, you know, they can give you even more insight because they're just phenomenal coaches. I did play for some pretty good coaches back in the day and they were able to teach me a lot. And these are the things that you see in film study and not so much for me because, I wasn't a skill position player. I was an offensive line. But as far as, like, the skill position players, you know, hearing what Stanley Berryhill talks about, it's like if I cut my route off at – I cut my route off at 8. I should have ran a 12. Uh, it would have opened up this on the play. These are the things that you don't realize when you're in the moment when you're a young player, a young inexperienced player, or a player who just has not been coached over the last few years. Let's be honest, <laughs> okay? These are players that – are being dealt with right now by this coaching staff that have not been coached. You know, Noel Bozzoni was more about grasp the offense, grasp the offense, learn the offense, learn the cadence, learn the, you know, just go fast, just get to the next play, okay? It wasn't about coaching. It was like, hey, you know, if we burn this play, it doesn't matter. We're going to be on top of another play in eight seconds, and we're going to run another play. Here's all, you know, the hand signals and stuff, and then you have five options to run on this particular play. There's not a whole lot of coaching going on. I mean, I remember talking with players at Arizona State when he was the offensive coordinator there, and they were like, it was just kind of like, let's just get to the next play. It was always about getting to the next play. It's not how you play the game of football, okay? It's perfection and execution in every single play. You take the time and you focus on making sure that every single play is a perfected one because you have 11 guys that are trying to work together. If you have – 11 guys who are doing their own thing, nothing's going to get accomplished. And I think we saw the results of that from the end of the last three years of the Kevin Sumlin era. These are players who have not been coached. These, we, we're dealing with veterans. And I know I've talked to a couple of parents of players on the team, and these parents are these people are, are parents of the younger players on the team. And they're screaming, let the younger kids play. The older guys have had their turn. You know, the, the, the veterans have had their turn. It's not working. We've lost 15 in a row. It's time to let the young kids play. i got to be honest with you. After talking with people, after hearing some of the things that I've heard from these players, and I talked to an NFL scout who was at an Arizona practice, uh, these guys, we're, deal- we're dealing all, all of these guys are basically young players. Because the veterans on this team, the juniors and the seniors that have been here, I'm not talking about the transfers, Transfers were coached at other schools appropriately, North, Northwestern and Central Michigan and Western Michigan. Okay, they were coached appropriately at their, at their respective spots. Here, the guys that we're dealing with, guys that, that are household names right now for Arizona Wildcat football fans, those dudes have not been coached. Nobody gave a rip in, that, in, in the previous regime to coach these guys up. These guys are learning football right now. To hear, to hear that offensive linemen – are not targeting a place that they're supposed to be, but where the linebacker lined up in, in pre-snap 
tells you a lot of what you need to know about this. These guys have not been coached. This is They're getting their first sense of coaching right now. And I can only imagine, okay, imagine it's your job, okay? Imagine you come in to, you know, you, you, you take on a new job, you get a promotion at another company. And they're like, here's your staff, okay, you're going to be a manager. You're managing these people, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're making dingle hoppers, okay, whatever it is, okay? So you go to the dingle hopper company, you're making dingle hoppers. You expect these people who have been there for the last four years under their previous boss to know what the hell they're doing. So you go in there. And the reason you were hired is because you have perfected the, you know, the, the process on making dingle hoppers. You make the best dingle hoppers in the world, and now this big company has hired you to come in and you know, increase their production and increase their revenue. And you get there, and you're expecting these people to already have the basics of dingle hopper making. Okay? You, got, you, you, know, you got your production, you got your, you got your startup, you got your shapers, you got the people who package it, all that kind of stuff. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to implement your system like, okay, well, in order to cre- increase, you know, this and increase revenue and increase profits and increase pro- product, uh, productivity, we do this, we do this, we do this. And they're like, oh, okay, okay, um, excuse me, how do we start again? What? Wait a second. You, what, do you, what do you mean? What, do you, when, when do you start? Like, what, do you, what button do you push? Or, like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, where, where, do, I, where do I stand um, to, to start making my dingle hopper? Can you imagine taking that job? Like, well, what were you guys doing for the last four years? That's kind of what this coaching staff has walked into. After hearing all of the things, and, and at different levels, people within the program, players, coaches, administrators within the program in the athletic department, talking to a, an NFL scout who saw the team three weeks ago and told me that, quote, you got a long way to go. That's what, that's what this person told me. After looking at the team, assessing their talents, assessing the way that they play, this was three weeks ago, told me you got a long way to go. I mean, that's long way to go. We got, guys, we got veterans on this team who have been playing for three years. Oh, no, no, they're not ready. They're not ready for what? He's like, they're not ready to play this year of college football. Like, they're, they're not good. Like, they have not been coached. So this regime is coming in now having to pick up for the last three years of complete just ineffectiveness, not caring, whatever whatever name or probably adjective you want to put on it, that's what it was. And it's frustrating because, you know, fans, obviously we want results. We're tired of losing. Fans are upset. I get it. Uh, it it's, you know. Interestingly enough, I've been targeted for a lot of interviews and stuff from radio stations, not only up in the valley, people up the, you know from the from the city up north. Oh, you know they want to talk to people now. They're like, oh, Arizona's zero three. They just lost to NEU. Let's talk to the let's talk to the PA announcer, the radio guy who uh, you know knows the team really well. Whatever. Lots of lots of interview requests. You know what I've said the entire time? Fans are angry. They're just angry ab- about everything. They're not angry at the coach. They're not angry at the players. I mean, they're just fans are just angry. I get it. I'm a Wildcat fan too. Grew up, I was born in Tucson. Grew up in Tucson, listening to the games, sitting on the hearth next to my grandfather on the radio, watching them on TV whenever it, the game happened to be on TV. I'm mad too. And I do want to commend the fans. 
I will say this. I do want to talk about this in the, in the first segment as well. The fan reaction on Saturday night and Sunday was just utter disgust, anger. They wanted to burn the place down. I mean, it was, it was, it was getting pretty ugly. And I went on the air Monday, and I was like, look, you can't expect to, you know, to, to, for them to turn this thing around in, you know, in just a few weeks. It's going to take time. And I will say this. Over the last couple of days, whether it be on the social medias, callers that I've heard on radio shows, and just generally just talking to fans, because, listen, I, if, you're an, if, if you're a U of A fan living up in Phoenix, if you're an alumnus or a fan or whatever, you pretty much know who I am. I've, I've, I've been the U of A guy here in Phoenix for like 22 years. Okay? It's, just, it's just kind of like my moniker. You, you, people know who I am. They know how to find me. And I've talked to a lot of them. And I want to commend just the overall fan base, just kind of, I, I think, I don't want to lump everybody into the same, you know, the, the, the same basket. But I will say this, that the fans have been a lot more responsive over the last couple of days of, like, they need our support. Let's, you know, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, it was a bad loss. And things may not have ever been worse for this program than they are right now. But we still got nine games to play this year. Those players still need our support. And, we, you know, we were backing Jed Fish for the last six months, not ready to just dump him, you know, on the side of the road now. So I want to commend the fans for kind of understanding the situation. And, I, look, you guys aren't idiots. I don't have to sit here and tell you how to interpret what Stanley Berryhill said or what uh, Brennan Carroll said or what Jed Fish said in his press conference yesterday or the day before yesterday on uh, Monday. I don't have to. I don't have to explain every little thing that they said. I mean, I do on my show because I give opinions on it. But I don't need to explain it to you. You guys, you guys get it. When you hear Stanley Berry, he'll say, I should have ran a 12-yard route instead of an 8-yard route that would have opened up the post and we would have scored on the play. You understand, like, oh, you know, there's a player who wasn't aware of the situation and, you know, did something outside of the framework of the way that the offense was designed. The play fell through and nothing happened, and, you know, everything kind of stole. You can imagine that there are other plays in the game that went the same way. Film study was probably – look, it probably has not been a fun moment on Sundays for film study for all three games this year because there have been massive mistakes every single week. And, look, the, the coaching staff, the current coaching staff, is certainly partially to blame for some of this stuff. There are things that they've implemented this year – that need to have been set in stone already. Like these, you know, these teachings, you know, these these concepts and things like that had, should have already been picked up by now. So for whatever reason, some of these aspects of of the offense specifically are not being not being conveyed properly. The players aren't getting it. Defensively, look, the team is pretty good. I think I think they're eighth in the Pac-12 right now in total defense, which is a far cry from where they were the last three years, which was dead last, dead last, and giving up a million points a game. Just teams running the ball all over the place. And it's not like they played nobodies. BYU has shown that they're a pretty damn good football team. Now, granted, their game plan was pretty vanilla in that first week, but uh, it's a pretty good football team. 
And by the end of the season, we may look back and say, you know what defense held BYU to the fewest points this year? Arizona. How about that? 24 points, the fewest points they scored all season. You know, and then the defense, obviously things got us away from them early in the first half against San Diego State. Second half, they gave up three points. And it wasn't like San Diego State just cashed it in. I rewatched the game. Their starter was in the game till four minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then against NAU, obviously, you expect to do well against NAU. You expect them to get fewer than 300 yards of offense. You expect them to have fewer than 14 points on the uh, on the scoreboard. The defense essentially did their job against NAU, despite the fact that they were on the field for a large portion of the game. So there are some things that are getting through. I don't know how much longer it's going to take for this team to get a win, but it, it, you know, in my opinion right now, you can go nowhere but up from here. So <laughs> it just it can't get worse. Can it? <laughs> I don't think it can. Again, I think the players have a pretty positive outlook right now, at least a large portion of them. Specifically, some of the, the like the team leaders, the outspoken team leaders, have a positive outlook, and that is incredibly important right now. FanDuel Sportsbook is live. It's been live for a couple of weeks now. I've been having a great time with it, and uh, you can too. It's real simple to sign up. If you go to the FanDuel Sportsbook app, it's super easy to use. There's safe and secure transactions on there. You get paid out in uh, fewer than 24 hours when you win. And, look, there's, it's, there's plenty of reasons why it's America's number one sports book. Now, they're doing some same-game parlays right now, which is really cool. The, the SGP, you'll hear me call them, uh, it's a bet with three legs or more. Uh, if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel will pay you back up to $10. That's every single week you can do this. They're giving you a $10 risk-free bet on same-game parlays so you can kind of play and learn and have fun with their, with their system. And then once you kind of learn – and, and, look, I am. I have learned a lot of things in the last couple of weeks about these. Uh, you can then become even better at it and start having even more fun and cashing out even more tickets. And trust me, there's no feeling like cashing in one of those same-game parlays. You get a three- or a four-leg same-game parlay. Those have been uh, a lot of fun to cash in. So lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. And even if you don't win, you're going to get up to 10 bucks back, which is, you know, just incredibly cool and a really cool promotion for them. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can claim 30-to-1 odds on this Monday night's football game. Philly versus Dallas is the Monday night game. You can get 30-to-1 odds on either team to win, but you have to sign up with my promo code. Sign up with the promo code DEAN, and if your first bet loses, you get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Just you guys, but you got to use the promo code DEAN because you gotta, you know, that's my promo. you you, you got to let them know that I sent you uh, so that you can get that 30-to-1 odds on the Monday night game, which is remarkable right you bet money nights for 30 to 1 and you get the uh, risk free up to up to a thousand dollars back which is awesome stuff just uh sign up today FanDuel sportsbook app have some fun enjoy it with your buddies and uh cash in some tickets it's great 21 on over in president arizona refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days max refund is ten dollars restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com same game parlays available at multiple sports in all states on mobile and web gambling problem call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 when we return, we'll continue to talk some uh, Wildcat football. And then, coming up in just about 10 minutes, we'll talk Cardinal football with our insider, Tyler Drake, 
of Arizona sports. That's coming up in just a little bit. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Check out NFL Cover 2 every afternoon with Spears and Ali. Every weekday afternoon, that is. Covering all the latest NFL news. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing in the state of Arizona. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll be joined by Tyler Drake of Arizona Sports. He's our insider for Arizona Cardinals news. And we have a lot of Cardinal football to talk as they get a big win over the Minnesota Vikings at home, although narrowly escaping with that victory. And then uh, they travel to Jacksonville this weekend to take on the lowly Jaguars, still looking for their first win of the uh, young NFL season. So we'll talk with Tyler about that coming up in just a few minutes. One final little thing here about the the uh, Arizona football talk from yesterday. Look, it wasn't announced who the starter is going to be. Brennan Carroll, I think, may have let the, the, the cat out of the bag a little bit when he basically said about Jordan McLeod, I think he's ready. I think he's going to go in, and we're going to get a great evaluation process this week. All three guys will be evaluated. He started to backpedal, 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 um, and said that he's got a shot to do some good things. So I do think that Jed Fish will announce that Jordan McLeod is going to be the starter, and it's the right decision to make. And, yes, I know it looks a little chaotic with the team starting three quarterbacks in their first four games of the season, but the the competition is what it is. Nobody rose above any of the other uh, candidates in uh, in spring and, and uh, summer ball uh, and fall ball, so you're going to do it live in games. And it's not the most optimal position to be in, but at least now we're going to see a starting sample from each of the quarterbacks, each of the three quarterbacks that are, that are on the roster right now, and hopefully – we can find a more solidified approach to the quarterback position following the bye week, which is going to be after the Oregon game. So I expect Jed Fish to probably make that announcement at some point today that uh, Jordan McLeod will be the starter for the Oregon game. And like I said, like I said yesterday, and I'll say it again, I think it's the right decision to make for the game at Oregon. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, Tyler Drake, the writer and insider for the Arizona Cardinals with with Arizona Sports, joining us next right here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Wednesday, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. It is time to talk Cardinals. As we do every Wednesday here on the Jeff Dean Show with our Cardinals insider. He is a writer for Arizona Sports and is at Cardinal practice every day and at the games. He is Tyler Drake, and he joins us right now on the Jeff Dean Show. Tyler, what's up? Happy uh, happy Wednesday to you, brother. Yeah, yeah, happy Wednesday. I woke up thinking it was Monday, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not good. <laughs> a little bit behind. That's all right. That's all right. It, uh, I think we've all been there before, and uh, hopefully this Wednesday doesn't treat you like a Monday. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> so let's get into it. Look, the Cardinals narrowly escape with a win over the Vikings uh, on Sunday, uh, you know, a home game that was full of fireworks and electric plays from Kyler Murray and some of the other members of the offense. But uh, let's be honest, this was a game that this team would have found a way to lose over the past couple of seasons. What are your thoughts and takeaways from, from Sunday's one-point win over the Vikings? Yeah, yeah, I think you nailed it right on the head with that. Um, 
years past, you'd have Zane out there missing a field goal or something like that. Instead, you get Matt Prater hitting a 62-yarder at half where I personally didn't think they were even going to get in the field goal range for that one. Rondell Moore just showed his, uh, his uh, savvy already. But, uh, yeah, you know, you can kind of just feel that it's not so much the, all right, how are we going to lose this game this time? It's more of like how can they figure out how to, you know, piece it back together and get a win out of it. It's, it's, it's very odd, I will say, even though we're only two games in. So, uh, yeah, it just, just seems like there's a little bit of a different energy over there. You know, you mentioned it, it was you didn't even think they were going to be able to get in the scoring position there at the end of the half, and it's really because, you know, Kyler Murray is – he's right now in the first two weeks of the season, he's playing at an MVP level. Um, I don't think anyone would, you know, would, would deny that. He was just named the uh, NFC player of the – offensive player of the week um, just a, uh, about an hour ago. Everybody's kind of recognizing his play. What are the little things that he's doing this year that were escaping him and his play over the last two seasons? You know, for me, I think it's just facing the ball out and really trusting the guys he's got on the other end. I think uh, what Steve Kime did this offseason to get Rondell, to get A.J. Green, to get James Conner even, uh, getting those kind of guys and along with Rodney Hudson, because I think that alone, Rodney Hudson's addition has helped Kyler immensely. He's helping him, uh, you know, with check downs. He's helping him do that. And I think that's the biggest thing is Kyler Murray's, uh, you know, he, he's it, he's mastered the offense, if you want to say it that way. Uh, you know, he, he's checking out of things. He's doing things that he wants to do. Uh, he's got free will to pretty much do that. Uh, you know, Rodney's going to get in his ear every once in a while maybe to tell him he should do something else. But for the most part, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's more of just mastering the uh, little things in the offense and, and really just having that, um, just having that detailed uh, approach to it. Well, you nailed it in the preseason, dude. When you were talking about Rondell Moore, uh, just e- even before the first preseason game, just things that you had seen in practice. Um, and now he's leading the team in targets. He's leading the team in receptions, yards, yards after catch. He has been a – and, look, there are people all across the country now picking him up for their fantasy league teams and everything like that. He is, he's become a real spark, uh, not just for this team, but in the NFL. Oh, yeah, easily. I mean, that's, that's what I had thought he was going to be. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to anoint a rookie like that so early. But the way that he's just come in and expanded that offense and has just done the little things that, you know, it, it makes you think he's already a veteran in the league. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's really doing well. He's got a, a very uh, level head on him, and he just wants to go out there and play. Like, I mean, that's, we talked to him in the, uh, after the game, and he doesn't say a lot. But you can tell he just wants to go out and play football. You know, it's it, it obviously it helps having DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green on the field. I mean, the the other two receivers are going to benefit from that, especially in this system. But you know, one of the things that I know is we talked about Christian Kirk last week and his performance in Week One against the Tennessee Titans and how well he played. And as I was watching the game on Sunday against the Vikings, and I know that he didn't have a, you know a big game for the you know for the Cardinals in in that uh, in that game against. Uh, uh, against the Vikings, um, but just watching him play, I feel like I'm like God, the guy. He he's grown so much just this off season. He seems like he's playing extremely well. And then of course I go to Pro Football Focus, and Christian Kirk is the second rated wide receiver in the league in Pro Football Focus's uh, in, in, you know in their metrics. Talk about how Christian Kirk is benefiting from this offense right now. 
yeah, you know, it's just uh, the name of the game of that offense is spreading the ball out. And I think last year that kind of shot them in the foot a little bit with, you know, just targeting DeAndre more times than not. Now it's spacing it out. Uh, and, and also the other thing, too, is Kirk, Kirk said it. He's playing with an edge, and he's, uh, he's, he's in the best place mentally. He told us this yesterday. He's in the best place mentally he's been in since he's gotten to the organization. So, I mean, that speaks volumes to how he's playing. And, and I mean, it all lines up. And he's playing really well. I mean, that one, uh, pretty sure they went over the top, cover zero, just like they did in week one, almost exact same play, yeah. exact same everything. So, that was a fourth uh, you know, and you five. That he's yelling. <clears throat> yeah, was that, a, that was a fourth and five, five play, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It Incredible. was a uh, very. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just crazy. But yeah, he's he's doing great. You know, uh, he said he's going to play with that edge this year because it's a contract year for him. And and uh, yeah, the thing that stood out stood out to me the most yesterday is when we, when we were talking to him was his just that mentality. Like his his mental is just at the best it's ever been since coming into the league. And and yeah, it's showing right now for sure. Talking Cardinal football with our insider, Tyler Drake of Arizona Sports, right now here on the Jeff Dean Show. And, you know, we, we can't just talk all the good because then the Cardinals will get big heads. They won't be able to fit through the doors and things like that. There were some, you know, some not-so-good things from this team, specifically on the offensive line. They're starting to show some of the signs of I, I, not only last year's, but the last decade, the last three decades' breakdowns on the offensive line. D.J. Humphreys allows two sacks in that game allowed another hurry, and he did not have his best game of the season. And right now, if you look at pro football focus's rankings of offensive lines, Arizona's is 27th in the league right now in performance. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I will say this. Don't bring up uh, pro football focus to any offensive lineman on the Cardinals because <laughs> they do not like to look at those metrics at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rodney Hudson, uh, as good know, as he's played, is rated 30th in the league at the center position, which is – He's yeah, a good player. I don't think he's that bad. I don't know what their metrics are looking at, but exactly. So, so you've got to take it. Sometimes, sometimes the numbers are on. I think sometimes they're off. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just. Uh, I think it's first two weeks, kind of getting the rust off a little bit. I know Kelvin uh, Beecham got a penalty early on in that game, uh, first drive. Him and Humphreys back to back, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was also a little banged up, so that might have had something to do with it. Um, you know, Humphreys, I, I think he bounces back next week. I, I think it might have just been an off game for him. Uh, and, you know, and they still didn't do that bad. I mean, remember when Murray first came into the league, it was like he was getting sacked every other time. Oh, yeah. So, they're still, they're still, they're still improved. Uh, you know, obviously you don't want anybody to get sacked if you're the, the O-line, but uh, still doing well. I think, you know, you've got to clean some things up. But for the most part, it's not it, – it could be a lot worse. Let's just say that. <laughs> Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. You know, they've given up, you know, now they, you know, they just gave up, you know, a, quite a few, few points, and obviously Minnesota left some points on the field uh, in that game as well. But, you know, defensively, according to, to pro football focus, the Cardinals rank 31st in run defense and are 28th in tackling. Have you seen deficiencies, or I guess more importantly, has the coaching staff addressed deficiencies in those areas? Are they, are they aware of that? Uh, you know, they haven't really spoke too much about it, but also, you know, I think Dalvin Cook just came out there and, and had himself a game. I, yeah. You know, the difference between him and Derrick Henry from week one and week two was was insane. I, I thought Cook, with his cutbacks are insane seeing that in person. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I think sometimes they just get a little too, almost like too hyped up, too too energized to go after somebody and play a little fast. 
but outside of that, you know, I don't, I don't think there's too much emphasis. Obviously, they're gonna, they're gonna work on all that stuff in practice. But I haven't, I haven't heard or seen too much emphasis on that. You know, the cream is is starting to rise to the top, and we knew that Isaiah Simmons was a really talented football player, kind of the the Swiss Army knife of any kind of defense. Um, you know, I've been following him since his sophomore season at Clemson, and just watching him play. He, you know, he jumps off of the off of the page. He jumps off the screen when you watched Clemson play back in the day. When I went to the Fiesta Bowl, I charted his plays where he lined up, and he played 10 different positions in that Fiesta Bowl game. He played everything but defensive tackle in that game. They lined him up everywhere. And he and Buda Baker are really, really playing top-notch football for that defense right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's That was uh, actually when we get Vance this week, that's one of my questions is, you know, just how much does that versatility really open up that defensive playbook for you? Because, you know, it's just, you can tell. I mean, I, I believe he's leading the tackles on the team now. He's yep. everywhere, playing with his hair on fire. Just a really, really solid player. And it seems like every game he's getting a little bit better, which is that's even more scarier for the opposing uh, offenses there. Yeah, you're right. He is leading the team in tackles. And he's just, you know, he's one of those guys that look, it was going to take a little time for him to adapt to the, to, the, to the pro game as it does for just about everybody unless you are just a mega, you know, freak superstar kind of guy. Uh, and Isaiah Simmons is is going to be one of the top players in this league. I, I I firmly believe in that. Talk about the rookie Zayvon Collins. Is you know his his snap count hasn't been, I think, what a lot of people expected it to be. What is he? What what have you seen from him so far in the first two games? Well, you know that was one of the that was one of the questions last week we had after week one was you know what what's the uh, what's going on there and and it really came down to game flow last week with uh, them going with the Titans going away from the run, but then you got them this week where, you know, there was a lot more running plays. They, they kind of did establish the run a little bit, and we still saw Jordan Hicks in there. I think really what it comes down to, I think Hicks, Hicks played his way back into yeah. that, you know, starting role. I mean, he got the start uh, on Sunday, and uh, it, and he's and he's running with it. You know, he, he talked to us after the game, too, and, and made it a point to, you know, show that he could overcome adversity, adversity for his kids and and all that, so, you know, he's playing with an extra gear too. And I think, uh, you know, right now with how well they're playing, I think that's okay because you can have Jordan Hicks out there and kind of almost learn on the job with uh, Zavin instead of just saying, "Hey, Zavin, go play 80, 90 percent of the snaps and be the guy that's going to tell everybody what to do." Instead, they've got Jordan Hicks who's like, "All right, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to do this. Like, we can do this. Like, I mean, he's this is his." He's been in this defense enough to where he knows what's going on. So I really think it's kind of a comfortability level, and I also think it's uh, just Jordan Hicks just playing playing where, to the level that he's used to playing to. For all of the jaw-dropping moments and reactions from week one regarding Chandler Jones's performance with his five sacks in the opening week, awfully quiet from that position uh, against the Vikings on Sunday. Some of it was scheme. But, uh, you know, this is nothing new for Cardinal fans or people that have followed Chandler Jones. He's been known as a guy who has been taken, has taken games off in his career before. Uh, I don't think he essentially took this game off. I think it was a situation where they were either staying away from him in the passing game or running right at him in the running game, essentially. We were able to double and tandem guys, uh, especially those edge rushers, and, and kind of put them in a space that they're not comfortable with. What did the coaching staff say about Chandler Jones, and what you know? What's the feeling on the team right now about his performance? 
you know, it's just it's one of those kind of we know who Chandler is and we're not too worried about it. I know he was I mean, he was probably a half a second off of getting a sack that Marcus yeah. Golden ended up getting. So, uh, you know, he, he probably could have had a full sack there uh, in week two. We all we actually in the press box, a lot of us thought he got the sack. So um, I think it's yeah, what you said, a lot of the scheme, a lot of, uh, you know, they, they got the run going early and that was something they didn't do against Tennessee. So uh, or that's. Yeah, that's something Tennessee didn't do against the Cardinals uh, right. last week. So, I mean, that was a big factor, too. I think getting getting the Titans pinned down like that is just – I mean, it's just a field day for Chandler. So, uh, you know, I think, yeah, I think game flow, I think scheme. Um, I, I, don't think he, I don't think he necessarily took a game off. Uh, but, yeah, like you mentioned. But, uh, yeah, that, I, I think it's fine. I, I don't think anybody's like, oh, my gosh, we're so worried about it kind of thing. Something tells me he's going to bounce back this week against that offensive line and the inexperienced quarterback in Jacksonville. Yeah, I I, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, I don't uh, I, I don't envy the uh, the offensive line of those tackles at Jacksonville or Trevor Lawrence one bit uh, this weekend because it's going to be an all out uh, an all out offensive on their uh, on their backfield and in my I, listen this is a situation where. Um, I think there's a lot of value in the Cardinals in betting the Cardinals spread in this game. I think it's still seven and a half. Uh, they're seven and a half point favorite in this yeah, game. I, I just, so. I feel like it's a complete mismatch on a lot of different positions on that football field this weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I haven't really seen that much out of James Robinson either. So, I mean, they, yeah. they've got a lot, I mean, they just got to go right at him. And that's, <laughs> I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have much answer for that. All right, real quick before we let you go, any injury news updates? I know Beecham was uh, was banged up, and Marco Wilson, cornerback, uh, was uh, was questionable. Uh, any news on on those two guys? No, I'm hoping we hoping we find something out today. They're both day to day right now with uh, ankle for Marco and ribs for uh, Beecham. But yeah, we should know more today. Uh, but yeah, uh, Monday Cliff told us just yeah day to day, so nothing nothing crazy to report right now. Well, like I said, Tyler, the only time ribs would keep an offensive lineman from playing is if they're being served by Bobby Flay on a plate full of cornbread because <laughs> that's the only way you're going to keep an offensive lineman from playing when ribs are involved is if they're going to be sitting down to eat him and just forget to play altogether because ribs don't hurt an offensive lineman. You can play with bad ribs. So uh, I fully expect him to play <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see him. I see him out there too. All right, Tyler, thanks as always, man, for your insight. Great work, and uh, we appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your week covering the team. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and uh, we will be in touch real soon and talk to you again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Keep killing it over there. Thank you, man. That's Tyler Drake. You can follow him at TDrake4Sports. That's the number four, at at TDrake4Sports. He is our Cardinals insider. He's a great writer with Arizona Sports up uh, up here in the Valley and uh, does a fantastic job of, he writes multiple stories a day from his experiences at Cardinal Camp each day for practices and as well as following the uh, the, the, the performances on Sundays on, on game day. And we'll continue to talk with, uh, with Tyler as uh, the weeks go on, and we'll talk Cardinals. He is our Cardinals insider, and uh, we're going to be talking with him every single Wednesday here talking Cardinal football on the Jeff Dean Show. We're going to take a timeout when we return. We will take a another closer look into some of the other things going on in the NFL, some news and notes from the NFL, and then coming up in hour number two, I want to talk some Wildcat basketball. I've got an early outlook for the team and what you can expect because the red-blue game is coming up in just about a week and a half or so. 
uh, two weeks or so, and I want to get you guys ready for that and for the uh, for the first season under Tommy Lloyd. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more coming up, and you'll hear it right here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thursday night football coming up in just a couple of days. And, of course, you can join us, or specifically Spears and Ali, for Thursday night football every week, uh, every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 6 at uh, Native Grill and Wings in Marana. They've got over 40 televisions there, 12 beers on tap, and it's located right there at the uh, southwest corner of I-10 and Cortero Road. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's right there. Been there several times myself. Great place uh, to check out uh, all the football action. Great food, of course, wings, and uh, their pizzas are underrated. If you haven't gotten one of the pizzas from there, they're good as well. But uh, you can check it out there. Thursday night football, food and drink specials. Download the Native Grill and Wings loyalty app for some offers there. Native Grill and Wings in Marana, home of the original Arizona wing, and you can catch Spears and Ali there on Thursday nights. Now, Aaron Rodgers, I want to address this. I talked a little bit about it yesterday. After their Monday night win over the Detroit Lions, Aaron Rodgers took to the took to the you know the, the media stand, and of course, as predicted, he decided to point some fingers at media members, not individually singling them out, but basically letting it known that he was very much aware of the things that were being said about the Packers following their Week One debacle against the New Orleans Saints. He said, "Quote." I think we maybe tried to show that we cared a little bit more tonight, talking specifically about a reporter that was in the room that said that the Packers acted like they didn't care about their week one game. It was obvious uh, that it was (laughs) pointed at someone. Um, Then he followed it up. He said, I just think that people like to say a lot of BS, and he didn't say BS. He actually set out the entire word there. Uh, And it's nice to come back in here after a game like that after a game like what like uh, like a win over the lions a game that you guys were losing at halftime seven it was 17 14 at halftime your defense had given up 230 yards of offense in the first half to the detroit lions jared goff was throwing the football all over you guys and it wasn't until it started raining in the second half that apparently detroit decided not to practice wet ball drills in the uh, in the week leading up to it even though they're gonna be playing outdoors in green bay wisconsin fumbles and drop balls and drop passes everywhere and yes Aaron Rodgers had a nice game 22 of 27 255 yards he threw four touchdowns you know three went to Aaron Jones uh went a a fourth one went to Robert Tanyan their uh, their tight end so you know yeah it it was it was an okay game but I don't it's not like you guys went out there and beat the Buccaneers by three touchdowns it's not like you went out there as a five-point road dog and, you know, beat some, you know, beat some team, you know, some undefeated team or whatever in front of the, a raucous home crowd and a comeback victory and when all the, you know, the chips were stacked against you, you beat the Detroit Lions in your home stadium. And the 35-17 finale, final score, mm, I don't know. There were a lot of mistakes by the Detroit Lions in the second half of that game. They were looking pretty good in the first half. Things were a little bit dicey in that uh, in that first half. Uh, look, Aaron Rodgers has been he's I don't I, I, maybe I'm not familiar with the term. It's it's kind of a new term, right? Gaslighting. 
okay? I, I, I believe it's when, like, gaslighting is when you, you kind of play, you downplay a situation, downplay a situation, downplay a situation, and then when it becomes a situation that's in your favor, you then throw it back in other people's faces like it's their fault, like it's their problem, like they were the ones that caused this. That's, that's basically like Aaron Rodgers. This is like what he's doing. Holds his team hostage in the offseason. Okay? Talks about what a crap organization they are, basically. Trade me. I may retire, yada, yada, yada. Holds them to the flame. Okay? Then he comes back in, talks about how uh, a player of his status should be more involved in personnel decisions. A player of his status. Okay? Then goes out in week one and has maybe the worst game of his career. The team played terrible. They got beat by you, you got beat by five touchdowns in an NFL game. That stuff does not happen. It happens to teams like Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Cleveland back in the day when they were Ophers, Detroit. Th- those are the type of franchises that 38 to 3 whippings occur to. Not the Green Bay Packers, not in a week 1 season opener, not to a team as in the situation that's that New Orleans is in with rebuilding the quarterback situation with a with a sketchy defense. He said, I think that there's even more now than when I started playing. There's so many overreactions that happen on a week-to-week basis. So it's nice to come out and have a good performance and get the trolls off our back. There's no trolls on your back. You earned every bit of that criticism from week one, especially after the way you acted in the offseason. Talk about how oh, overreaction from week number one. You got beat by five touchdowns, bro. There's no overreaction. You guys sucked, and people called you on it. And now you want to say that people are talking BS, that they're trolling you? Stop. Stop it. Quit being that person. All right, quick turnaround. Just a two-minute break. We're back with hour number two in the Jeff Dean Show here, right on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD4 Tucson.